It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're joined by the Irish gardener, gardener to the stars, Mr. Peter Doddle. How are you, Peter? Good afternoon, John Paul. I'm very well. How are you? I'm fine altogether, thanks. Now, uh, now I sent you uh, some emails and indeed some WhatsApps over the last week or so because we did get a lot of people onto us sending us pictures as well, which we always welcome there. Uh, I don't know if you picked those up or not. You did, and I, I did, did, but I'm trying to remember them. Yeah. Very good. Well, we'll, we'll start off so with one, and this is the, the one we, we got in pictures of this particular plant. Now, uh, they're uh, bulbs this person has sat, and they, yes. she sat them last May. Now, they came on beautifully, uh, but in the last uh, week or so, the leaves have started to go brown. Now, here in the picture, they're in a raised bed, and she also has a tuber in with them as well. Now, that seems to be growing okay uh, but something seems to be eating the leaves on that now she has uh, sent on those pictures Peter from what she has described there what are the issues I, no I saw them I did I saw them this morning actually and uh, it, it, I love when I get pictures like that because it's, it's, it's a very definite answer and the, it's the same problem on both it's slugs it's quite simply slugs and snails the first picture was of gladiola bulbs and uh, it's that telltale sign where they're kind of eating it up through the middle and the other was of dahlia tubers and they're eating the leaves from the outside in so it's slugs, uh, slugs and snails I'm afraid is a problem with both so uh, lots and lots of ways to deal with slugs and snails uh, on my own page the Irish Gardener on Facebook I have a couple of videos up of, of environmentally sound and organic ways to deal with slugs and snails so you have barrier products and then you have killers but just whichever one you go for please do be careful please don't do one thing uh, and that is used up pellets containing methaldehyde. Unfortunately, John Paul, methaldehyde pellets are still widely available in Ireland across the counter in supermarkets and garden centres. They shouldn't be. Methaldehyde is a, is a highly toxic substance. It's, it's banned in, in many countries, banned in Europe, uh, sorry, in, in England. In some countries across Europe, it's banned in Sweden. Uh, you can still buy it freely in Ireland, unfortunately, and it's the active ingredient in a lot of slug pellets. The reason it's so nasty is because it's toxic not just to the slugs and snails, but also to the predators, which are the birds and the hedgehogs, also to domestic pets, dogs, cats, also to us humans. Um, it's, it's a very nasty chemical to be using in the garden. It shouldn't be so freely available. Please don't use that to control your and sales. There are loads and loads of other options. Uh, we probably don't have time in the piece today, John Paul, to go through them all, but I would direct you to, to my own Facebook page, Jerry's Garden, where I do have videos up on organic and environmentally sound ways of dealing with them. But that's definitely what was causing the problem on the gladiola and the dahlia. Okay, and another email that I sent on to you then, Peter, was from Anne in Upton. And this is where she attached a picture of a wedding cake tree. Now, she set this last November, but in the last few months, it seems to be looking withered and dry with black patches on some of the leaves. Now, she thinks it's been watered enough, uh, but could you give her some advice on how to improve it? 
Yes, I can, and I think it is probably being watered enough looking at the photographs. Yes, I can't rightly see just down to the bottom, the base of the plant, uh, but it does look to me that there might be grass and weed growth growing around the base of it. Now, that might seem like nothing, but that's actually quite a big deal. You don't want that around the base of any new tree or any new plant, certainly for the first couple of years, because if you think about how a plant gets the water, it obviously gets it from the top, from rain or from you watering. Uh, and any weed growth like grass and that around the base of it will get that water before it gets down to the tree root. So make sure it's perfectly clean around the base of it, first of all, because if it's not getting enough water, number one, obviously, it'll lead to drought damage, but number two, it'll weaken it and leave it more susceptible to, to getting any kind of diseases, which, I guess, uh, which I'm guessing is what this one is. It looks like a black fungal leaf spot, maybe septoria or something like that. Um, your best, if it's septoria, it's not going to actually kill the tree, but it will weaken it over years. Um, I would recommend probably just removing any infected leaves. I was going to say the stems, but you're probably okay. But remove any infected leaves. Don't leave them around the base of the plant. Throw them, throw them out. Uh, drench the plant then and the soil around it with a solution of copper sulfate and water, which is a good broad-spectrum organic fungicide. I'm always talking about it on this program, John Paul, uh, and it's, go- it's a good preventative for a lot of these fungal infections. Then feed it. Use the nature-safe um, Atlantic seaweed feed, which is a very good organic Irish general purpose feed and that will increase the overall vigour of the plant uh, and I think you're going to be okay I think it's going to be okay Okay a text here from John and he's asking Peter when should I cut back the foliage of my peonies and lilies that they have finished flowering any advice on that? I wouldn't be in any mad rush to I mean you can clean them up now if they're if, they're, if the peonies anyway if they're if there's any untidy leaves or they're falling around a bit, you can trim them back. But I would leave most of the greenery on until it completes its life cycle. So the peony is um, a herbaceous perennial, John Paul. Now, I know you probably knew that. but it, I did. It, I think now, Peter, you need to bring myself and Dahi O'Shea on some gardening course at this stage. I think I've, seen, I've seen you with Dahi and I've, I, I've been watching him kind of going myself. No, and Dahi are in the same frame when it comes to the gardening. Yeah, I would bring you on a tour of the gardens of Ireland, yeah. Um, so... What that means is quite simply, herbaceous just means a plant that's going to die back for the winter, and perennial means one that comes that will come on each year. So herbaceous perennial, it's a, it's, a, it's a term for us gardeners to sound good about ourselves, but basically it just means a plant that dies back for the winter and will come on again next year. So it's far better to leave that greenery die off naturally, uh, which will probably be kind of September, October time. When it does, then you can cut it back and clean it up. Uh, but before then, there's no need to, as I say, if you want to, for a bit of tidiness, do, but don't remove all of it. The lily is slightly different then. So the lily is a bulb. Uh, so in the same, you treat it in the same way as you would an early spring flowering bulb, like a daffodil or a tulip. So when the flower is gone, uh, and when the foliage now will start to go kind of straw-coloured and brown, when all, all that foliage is sending all the chlorophyll and food reserves back into the bulb for growth next year. So you don't want to remove it when it's green because then it won't have that food reserve for next year. So leave it go brown, and when it's gone brown, then you can remove it completely and throw it into the compost bin. But wait, wait until then. Okay, Kitty's in Drummond League, Peter. Now, her rhubarb is very bad again this year. She gave it manure, but it didn't really help it. So does rhubarb need to be planted in where we'll get the full sunlight? It would want a good bit of sunlight. It wouldn't necessarily have to be full, full sun, but it would cer- it would certainly wouldn't thrive in shade, no. So if it's a shady area, I'd say that's the problem. If it was manure, they, are, they do benefit well from a good mulching of manure over the winter. If it's a couple of years now and it's not doing well, I'd recommend lifting it in the autumn, uh, early winter. Lift it, divide the, 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 the rhubarb stools into individual stools and then replant them out straight away. It might just be that the plant has got overly congested and is lacking a bit of vigour. So if it's been several years since it was planted or at last divided, then I would suggest lifting it now, kind of October time, divide it and replant it.
Okay, Ita is living in East Cork. She wants to know what time is correct to plant shamrock and can it be planted in pots or does it need to go into the ground? No, it can, of course, be grown in pots. The, the right time to, to do it is whenever you get it, really. Uh, if you have a bit growing in your lawn, dig it up, plant it into a pot, it'll do fine. In terms of sourcing it in a garden centre, you'd never see it available until, of course, the 1st of March, when they will have potfuls of it uh, for the month running up to Paddy's Day, um, or Patrick's Day, because I know a lot of people <laughs> don't like it being called Paddy's Day. Um, so you'll get it in garden centres end of February, early March. But if you, if you, if, you know, just... Let me let me qualify this by saying it's illegal to remove any plant from the wild, so I wouldn't recommend you lift it from a ditch or anything. But if you have some growing in your own lawn, you could certainly lift it. But if you're lifting it out of the ground, don't do that now. Do that in October, November time and put it into a pot uh, and it should come on fine for you. You can probably get shamrock seeds, but I'm saying that I remember, I think, on, with Patricia yourself once, John Paul, somebody was on looking to see where we get shamrock seeds and I don't know where you get them. But I would say a good Google search would probably throw up some seeds for you and if you're sowing them, you could sow them at this time of year. Okay, and Michael, he's in Liam Lara. Now he's growing courgettes. They are rotting though from the flowering tip. He wants to know what's causing this. That's, a, that's a, um, what's called trying to remember the name of the blossom end wilt, I think it's probably what it is. It's another fungal infection. Um, nothing you can do, obviously, with the ones that are rotting already. And in fact, probably the plant itself is probably too fire infected at this stage. But my, what I would say is, if it's just one of the plants, and if you have more, I would remove it. If they all seem to have it, or if you just have one or two plants of it, I would cut back anything that is already showing signs of rot. Remove a lot of the foliage. Fungal infections like this thrive, John Paul, in areas of poor air circulation. And, and courgettes and plants like that, they produce lots and lots of leafy growth. Uh, and it gets very, very congested. And of course, there, there's poor air circulation then around the plants. And it's warm and it's damp. And we've had a particularly damp month. Um, so these are conditions ideal for the development of fungal problems like that. That could well be causing it. Uh, without seeing it, it's impossible to say for certain, but it's something along those lines anyway. All right. Anne is in Newmarket. Now, she has some blueberry plants in containers. Now, they're very, they are a few years old, but she's replanted them in the spring. But they produced very few berries this year. So why is that? It should be, it should be the opposite. I would say, I'm going to kind of pardon the pun now, but hedge my bets and say that it's probably just a year of setting in because they should thrive in, in if they're doing well in pots, they should do better even in the open ground, provided, uh, of course, there's nothing to say, I'm afraid, that there's, the soil pH in your pot is the same as the soil pH in the garden uh, because the pot probably came from a bag of garden centre compost. So uh, blueberries do like uh, a, pH, a low pH, which is a soil, an acid kind of a soil. So neutral or acid, so ideally 6 to 7 is what they like in pH. If they're not getting that, that would lead to the plant not thriving and not fruiting as well as it should be. Also, um, they, they don't like full sun. They like kind of semi-shade and they like to be kept quite moist. Um, but I'm guessing she probably knows all that if they were doing well in Potsburg. So, but if it's gone into a situation where it's overly windy, it's the wrong pH, uh, it's too much or too little sun, they could all have an impact on it. But if it's none of those things, I would say, go back to my original thing, it could well be just the case that they're, they're settling in over the next 12 months. And Mary uh, has, for two years, she says she's had mushrooms in her garden. Now, they are pink and black in colour. Uh, but she's asking, are they OK to eat? I'm not going to answer that one on the radio. <laughs> I don't know without seeing it. And, and mushrooms, you have to be so, so careful. With Very careful. Uh, it's certainly not something I'd even attempt to answer on the radio. Um, if you want to take pictures and send them in to me, uh, I'm still not going to give you a definite answer, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on to people who can give you a definite answer. Uh, I would just be very, very careful on, on telling anybody what they could or couldn't eat when it comes to fungus. 
Yeah, very careful with those, right? Just in case uh, you can email them into us if you wish, uh, Mary, to jp at c103.ie and we'll pass those on to Peter. Eileen is in Clonakilty. She wants to know how and when do I prune lavender? Lavender is one of these plants that needs to be regular, regularly pruned. I would say most plants, John Paul, are, are, are provided you put the right plant in the right place, they tend to be low maintenance. The maintenance often comes by us gardeners putting the wrong plants in the wrong place and we need to cut back too often. Lavender is one of the exceptions to the rule. I think lavender does need to be cut back regularly. If not, it tends to get leggy and woody and it's native to, to the hotter climates where it's growing in very sandy, very free-draining soils. We bring them over here to Ireland to grow in pots full of compost into gorgeously prepared soil, lots and lots of water and plant food. It just, it outgrows itself. It gets very, very woody and leggy. So um, the textbook, if you like, would tell you cut it back after flowering. That's quite difficult because it flowers for such a long period. My advice would be slightly different. I would cut it back two or three times in the year because if you leave it get too out of control and cut it back hard into the woody growth, it'll just die in you. So you need to prevent that happening in the first place. And to do that, it needs regular trimming. So I would trim mine kind of at the start of March and I deliberately use the word trim. I would never hard prune lavender. So trim it in the start of March and around about now, depending, it could vary in different gardens, when your first flush of flowers is going over, I would trim it now then again. So you, you kind of go down into the plant, follow the flower stem down to where it meets the foliage and then go a couple of inches into the foliage, removing that top couple of inches of, of foliage and the dead flower stem. And so I would prune it then. You will get a second flush. What you will find is by doing it now, you are also removing some flower buds which haven't started yet. Don't worry too much about that. It will produce new ones. You will get a second flush. And by the time that flush is finished, which will probably be around September, I would trim it back again. So it's about two or three times a year I would be, be at it. And Aline has a second question here in Clonakilty. She has a Brita in her flower yeah. box. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I'm learning. Uh, anyhow, um, I know you're very proud. Anyhow, flowering <laughs> lovely, she says, until a few weeks ago. But the flowering has stopped and the plants seem to be yellowing. Why is that? Okay, well, the flowering stuff, uh, Aubrecia is a, a plant that flowers. It's a spring and early summer flowering. So the fact that the flowering has stopped is totally, totally natural. If it's yellowing, did you say it's in a pot, John Paul? You did. Uh, it is in a flower box. Yeah, it is. Flower box, yeah. I would say it's most likely just drying out or maybe it's got getting too big for the flower box. It's a, it's a perennial, so it's an alpine rockery plant, so it gives great spring display, but it's not like plants that we would normally use in the flower boxes, which would be annuals, like petunias, geraniums, things like that. Um so the, the Aubrecia will need to probably come out and go into a pot all on its own or go into the open ground or a rockery if you have such a thing uh, where it will have a bit more root room. Um, but I would say, if, failing that, if you want to keep it in the flower box, you can, of course, but just make sure you're watering it enough. I wouldn't be too worried. If it's just a bit yellow, I wouldn't be too worried at all. And the fact that the flowers are gone is totally natural for time of the year. OK, and in under 30 seconds, uh, hi, Peter. Quinn, could I slip a honeysuckle plant and try rooting same? If you can answer that. In under 30 seconds this yeah. time of the year. So July, August, take about four inches of the, the from the tip of the growth. Remove the what we call the terminal bud, which is the very top bud of leaves. Remove that about four inches. Cut at a node, which is where the leaf meets the stem. Leave about two leaves on your cutting, about four to six inches, into a bit of rooting powder, into a bit of compost, and it should root away quite easily at this time of the year. Well done, Peter. Thank you for that. We'll chat to you next week. <laughs> Cheers, John Paul. And thanks. you can check oh, anything else. Oh, very, go on, very, yeah. quick, very quickly, yep, sorry, yep. I heard you mention that Trish was ill, so just sending her my best wishes. Hope all is okay. She is. And She's back tomorrow. She'll be back next. Oh, perfect. She's back Great. tomorrow, so all is okay. Uh, but thanks. thank you for that, Peter, and we'll chat to you next week. Anything else you want from Peter there, you can check it out on his Facebook and Instagram. That's the Irish Gardener on Facebook and indeed on Instagram. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.